From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. And welcome back to the CQ Budget Podcast. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And if you're anything like your budget tracker on this Monday, you are trying to recover from a case of whiplash after this head-spinning week that resulted in avoiding a government shutdown, barely. Many lawmakers were convinced a shutdown would happen. It was just a question of how long it would last. Pundits had been predicting for weeks we were headed to a shutdown. Turns out they were all wrong mostly because of of this dramatic and surprising turnaround, a change of course from Kevin McCarthy, the House Speaker. So we want to talk about how we got here and what it all means. Joining me for that conversation is Peter Cohn, the Deputy News Editor at CQ Roll Call. Welcome back, Pete. Thanks a lot for having me, David. And I just want to say that uh, a couple of weeks ago, I said there was about a 65% chance, very unsc- unscientific uh, odds, I know, but 65% chance we would not shut down. I'm st- oh. I, I'm sticking by that. I think I, you know, wa- I definitely uh-huh. waffled. I waffled a little bit on that in, well, in that's pretty good days, though. but no, uh, I I never officially changed my odds. So, my I'm hats on off to you. Yeah, right. My All hats right. off I, to I'm, you because that you would be one of the few who were putting the odds against a shutdown. Yeah, I'm full so of it. To though, your you credit, uh, yeah. You you were right, we should say. Um because most people were pretty convinced up in the final days that we were headed for a shutdown. But who, I mean, really, this was a stunning turnaround, Pete, uh, by Kevin McCarthy. It really single-handedly explains how we avoided it, right? Because he had been insisting for weeks that you know a, a stopgap funding measure had to have spending cuts, not current funding levels, and it had to have border security measures. And in the end, he caved on both to get a bill through that could pass with both parties uh, after, you know, after a struggle with his conservative base and throwing up a conservative bill that failed, he actually he actually caved and let it happen. Yeah, I I don't know if caved is the right word, David, because I mean, you know, I'm not sitting here and and I'm not going to hold up Kevin McCarthy as, you know, paragon of, of virtue or something like that. But I'm just saying that he didn't. He never wanted to shut down. In fact, about 99% of his conference never wanted to shut down either. Sure, um, what, right. what, what McCarthy was trying to do was get the most conservative CR possible. And the only way to do that was to pass a CR through the House that had the most conservative policies in it. And so that's what he was trying to do right up until the very end. And 21 Republicans voted against it. So right. what, choi- what choice did he have at that, at that point? So it was either allow a shutdown to happen for no reason because they were never going to get those concessions they wanted in a shutdown because we're going to get to October 13th and people are getting people's paychecks are getting cut in half and then they would have absolutely zero leverage even less than ne- they would have negative leverage compared to what they had before the shutdown so there was no point in continuing that charade so McCarthy said you know what let's just do it let's rip the band-aid off at minimum we'll just get rid of the Ukraine aid, which is, if I put it in there, is really going to upset more people, even beyond the 21 who voted against the CR the other day. So that's where we are. And it was it was pretty shocking the way it all happened, uh, came together so quickly. Democrats were completely caught off guard by it. Um, but, you know, ultimately, after taking the time to look at it, they realized, you know, how could they really be opposed to it? 
But of course, the price McCarthy pays for this now is uh, a threat to his speakership, where Matt Gates, his most vocal detractor, the Florida Republican, has promised now to file a motion to vacate, which means a challenge to McCarthy's leadership on the House floor. We might see that as early as Monday night. It doesn't seem as though he would have the votes to actually pass it, but the ball is in the court of Democrats here to to help save McCarthy. Yeah, the ball is in their court. Um, Speaker McCarthy probably figured this was going to happen anyway at some point. I mean, this threat has been out there since January. They've been hanging it over his head. He finally said, you know what? Let's go for it. You know, let's see what you can do because why wait? You know, what's the point if we're going to get into a shutdown and then you're going to do this anyway, then we're, we're all we're doing is just hurting, you know, the American people. So um, before the shutdown, you had some Democrats like James Clyburn, who, you know, is a very senior member of, of the Democratic caucus, number four Republican, uh, sorry, Democrat now in the House, the former uh, majority whip uh, and minority whip. He said, you know, this isn't about helping Matt Gates. We don't want to do that. You know, this is political uh, this is a political ploy by Matt Gates. So, if it's good for the American people and what you know, we'll, we may be there for for Speaker McCarthy. You know, he didn't come right out and say that he'd support it, uh, you know, McCarthy on, on this vote, but he sort of hinted that maybe let's see what what uh, you know, a bipartisan funding agreement could look like. So, yeah. I think the Democrats right now you know, believe that maybe, see, the House Republicans have been trying, even through all of this, McCarthy has been trying to to meet his most conservative members where they are, which is by cutting the appropriations bills further uh, by $60 billion below where, where they came out of the Appropriations Committee, trying to do the, you know, essentially trying to appease his his hardest, you know, most hardline conservatives in the co- in the conference. All right. So now Democrats have a chance to uh, to possibly reverse that. You know, I don't know if um, that strategy is going to work. Maybe there's you know, maybe it's too late for that. But at this point, um, I think that's sort of the the signal you're getting from the Democrats is is related to this and possibly on the Ukraine issue as well. Yeah, I mean, the the House Democratic leader, Hakeem Jeffries, has been very careful in not saying what he would do if a motion to vacate were on the floor. Clearly, Democrats are taking a wait-and-see approach here, and they want McCarthy to come to them with some kind of offer, right, something they could gain from backing him and saving his speakership. Clearly, they're not going to do that for nothing. They hardly have great love for McCarthy. They just watched McCarthy file an impeachment inquiry against Joe Biden. So relations can't be all the best right now. But as you say, if if McCarthy were willing to come to the table with some kind of spending deal that maybe avoids some of those deeper cuts they don't want as the price for saving his speakership, yeah, you could see something along those lines come together, I would think. And, and of course, they don't. he doesn't need all Democrats to back him. He only needs a good handful, however many Republicans defect. Right. I mean, what he needs basically is for, you know, I think they're going to need something in exchange. You know, just, I, I don't know what it is, but, you know, it's going to have to be, I don't know if, whether it's living up to the, you know, adhering to the spending caps deal that was made with um, with President Biden back in May. 
ultimately, I mean, of course, ultimately, that's where we end up in this whole process. I mean, the House Republicans leadership has been transparent about that. This this whole thing about cutting the bills way below those caps is yeah. all basically, you know, to to uh, shore up uh, support among the conservatives. We, we obviously, the most the hard the, the most hard line of the hardliners are not there. Like they won't even support these bills at these huge cuts uh, that have been um, that are now being talked about. So, you know. Ultimately, the key is going to be whether Hakeem Jeffries makes this a vote of conscience for his members and says, look, this is up to you. You need to do the right thing for your, for your own constituents uh, and your conscience. And if, you know, if, if he whips it and says, we, we shall not support Kevin McCarthy unless he you know, gives us whatever unattainable demand um, that we, we're going to try to extract, you know, you know, then this whole thing could go sideways and we could be another one of these 15 rounds or 20 or 25 rounds, who knows, of voting to elect the next speaker of the house and the entire institution just kind of shuts down. Yeah. And that's the flip side, right? I mean, if they don't back McCarthy, uh, and have Republicans try to elect someone else, Democrats, from the Democratic standpoint, they could end up with someone worse, right? Someone more hardline that's even more that's even tougher to work with. So, um, I do think there is some incentive here for Democrats to work with him uh, and try to extract something. Yeah, I think um, I think Democrats to watch are those are, are ones who are you know a from more centrist and, and Republican leaning districts, um, b those who are retiring. Uh, and and be some of the kind of you know old school institutionalists um, in the caucus. I mentioned Representative Clyburn is one. Um, Steny Hoyer is another one who you know in the past has worked with McCarthy. And you know I don't think these are people who really who despise McCarthy. Um, they and I think they kind of sympathize with the with the position that he's in, which has yeah. been forced on him from people that they have even less respect for. Right. Namely, uh, Matt Gates and the you know the the, the Freedom Caucus. Group, his well, it's not it's not even the whole free. It's see, it's no longer the Freedom Caucus that's that's you know that's behind all this. It's a a small kind of a rump group of conservatives. Not all of them maybe are even in the Freedom Caucus, but you know you had senior Freedom Caucus members who have sort of circled the wagons around McCarthy, Scott Perry, Freedom Caucus chairman, Chip Roy from Texas. Um, I mean, these are guys who were outspoken in January, holding out against the speaker uh, getting that gavel and have come around and said, look, we are trying to get a result here. And the only way we can get a result is by voting to pass these bills. And, you know, if, if they can't convince their own colleagues to support these bills, they, have, they don't have a leg to stand on. And I think, you know, they understand that. Um, but, you know, could there still be up to, you know, as many as 20 Republicans who vote, who, who vote for the motion to vacate uh, or against the, you know, the a mo- motion to table the motion, something like that. However, this process goes down, uh, it's possible. But, um, you know, I think there is a decent chance that a fair number of Democrats will, at the end of the day, come out. And, you know, I, I, I just don't I don't see Hakeem Jeffries coming out hard saying nobody is allowed to vote to save Kevin McCarthy. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a fascinating uh, few days here on the House floor because we haven't seen this in quite a while, a motion to vacate. And we'll see 
yet again, the power struggle over Kevin McCarthy's speakership. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens there. But meanwhile, Pete, you know, they did pass this stopgap measure that runs through November 17. We probably get to replay this drama all over again. But it did not include any money for Ukraine. And there's a lot of reservation about that from the White House, from Senate Republicans, clearly from Democrats, who are really worried here that all of a sudden what had been a bipartisan commitment to Ukraine is is quickly falling apart because House Republicans are very divided over, over whether to fund Ukraine anymore because some of these conservatives are seeing just, they view it as just money going down a rabbit hole with no end in sight. And so, so here we are, they couldn't get a bill through without any funding for Ukraine. The Senate version had about $6 billion at least, uh, which would have sustained them for a while. This is going to be a huge fight now, whether they can get Ukraine. And and McCarthy laid down a new red line on Sunday saying he's willing to provide weapons to Ukraine, but there better be border security measures for the U.S. border as part of it. And that opens up, of course, a whole can of worms because you've got Democrats fiercely opposed to that Republican bill on border security that would restart construction of a border wall and have asylum restrictions that they find too onerous. You could see we're going to have a real battle on our hands here uh, the next few weeks figuring out how, how they untangle that. Well, the chairman of the Senate Appropriations Committee, Democrat uh, Pat, Patty Murray of, of Washington, um, consistently said when there was this discussion about border security package being met, being added on to the CR in the Senate, um, her, her comment consistently was, this is not the last piece of legislation that will ever pass in Congress. You know, clearly with the November 17th end date, you have to pass something else before November 17th. So the Republican view is you're absolutely right, Senator Murray. Let's do that. Let's let's do a border security package. And then at that point, there's going to be enormous pressure. You know, I think the money could be very, very uh, low on the Ukraine side. Um, I think, you know, Undersecretary McCord said they had $1.6 billion left. Um, McCarthy used a slightly higher figure, but either way, they're down to you know, they're down to the dregs of, um, you know, once they draw all that down, then they don't have any more money to replenish U.S. supplies. And, you know, that's where you start getting more support among the Republicans um, because you're shoring up the, you know, defense industrial base. But in any case, they've got until November 17th. I think the way this is shaping up is there's going to be some sort of border security package. It's not, I mean, remember, border security is not H.R. 2, the House passed bill, which President Biden has promised to veto and not a single Democrat supports. It's well, not it H.R. 2. Right. It it's can't, not H.R. No it's it not, it, yeah, David, it's not H.R. 2 or nothing, right? right. There, there are gray areas in between. That's what the Senate was trying to negotiate. In fact, even the problems, the House, the, the Problem Solvers Caucus in the House, which is made up equally of Democrats and Republicans, came out with a bill that was their alternative CR. That had the, the money for the full Biden request for Ukraine, twenty-four billion. Um, but it also basically it said for the next fiscal year, border patrol agents basically just can round up whoever they want and expel them from, from with, with no with no trial with no hearing. So yeah. I mean, this is this this idea that Democrats are mortally opposed to anything even even resembling border security is false. And so between now and November 17th, 
there is going to be an effort to cook up something on border security that can get through both chambers. Now, the Senate talks kind of fell apart because Democrats wouldn't go as far as the Republicans there wanted, but they also didn't have a lot of time. They also they only had a few days. So, you know, there was going to be some money attached to it. Um, but, you know, some of the, the some of the policy demands by some of the more conservative Senate Republicans were, were not going anywhere because you need 60 votes to do anything on that in the Senate. So, you know, the question is, what is going to be palatable to get 60 votes in the Senate between now and November? But you very well could see something. It doesn't have to be. The answer is not HR2 or zero. It's going to be something in between. Yeah, not a lot of time to sort that out, but I but they will try. And meanwhile, you know, there's also the question now, Pete, on Ukraine. You know, Biden requested $24 billion to get them through, I think, the next few months. But we're hearing from Senate Republicans saying, we can't do this piecemeal anymore. You know, there's so many there's only so many times you can go back to the well and make people vote for this. And so now there's a push from some in the Senate to say, let's just fund them for a year. Lindsey Graham's talking about 60 to $70 billion. That's going to be a really hard pill to swallow. But I think the thinking there is just get it done once uh, in some mega package. He wants to, He's ready to combine it with border security and more disaster relief into a huge supplemental package. These are all the machinations that have to play out here in terms of how how much money we're we talking about? How how big of a bite are they going to be able to take, or is it going to be another piecemeal deal as part of yet another stopgap measure on November seventeen or something else? That's a huge web to untangle. Yeah, I I, I don't know about um, sixty seven billion dollars for Ukraine. I mean, you do that much money, you start opening the door to. I mean, there's a big push to um, include you know at least sixteen billion dollars for childcare. Subsidies yeah, to, yeah. to replace, replace the pandemic era program that Democrats is, will push for that if this thing becomes yeah. a big right. So I, I, you know, I, I don't know. That seems like a, like a, a heavier lift than they can probably um, handle at this point. I think you're probably looking at something closer to, um, you know, what the Senate put out, or maybe, you know, maybe close somewhere between the six billion in the Senate. CR proposal or, uh, you know, the 24 billion. I mean, the 24 billion also has a lot, has a lot of things in there that is not directly related to the military and, and economic, you know, support for Ukraine. So, you know, you could see some shaving of that around the edges too. You know, um, there's things, there's money in there for the world bank and so forth that you, you might get a lot of Republicans opposed to. Um, but yeah, I, there is, but there is, but there is this concern now, Pete, that, that if you do it piecemeal, the coalition for this starts to fray because every time you come back to the well seeking another little another little sum, you know, the pushback grows. And the more times you do this, the harder it's going to get. We're seeing that now. So that's sort of the dilemma, I think, is do you ask for $6 billion now or do you ask for a year's worth and get it over with and hope that, you know, that's yeah. enough? You well, know, you're, you're running, yeah, I mean, you just, I, yeah, that's a fair point, but you just, you run into sticker shock issues. I mean, for, since- You do, for yeah, e, you do. For, for, eon, for eons now, you know, look look, on, look at taxes for, for just a second. I mean, for, for eons, Congress has just been extending tax breaks for a year or two at a time. Right. Because they don't want to do it for ten years, because then the it's, you know the, the cost right. the cost right. is enormous. So th- so they this way they can pat themselves on the back for keeping the cost down. So you know there's just you get into these. It's the law of, of large numbers, and it's just very very difficult. If the Biden request is twenty four billion, 
and then all of a sudden this, you know somebody proposes seventy billion in the Senate, it's it's very very difficult to rally a coalition for that. Let's you know let's put it that way. You're going to have all the you know the fixed the debt people are going to come out and say what's going on here. You know, because then it becomes a Christmas tree. It's not just seventy billion for Ukraine. It's sixteen billion for childcare. It's you know billion here, billion there for who knows what else. So it's uh, you know you just I look. You may be right, David. I just it's really hard to see that coming together. Yeah, and so meanwhile, they passed this stopgap, saying this will give us the time we need to pass our full year appropriations bills. Remind us where we are in that, Pete, because the House and Senate are still on completely different paths here on on full year appropriations. They don't have much time to do this seven weeks before the CR runs out. Um, how do you see this playing out? Yeah, I mean, in part, it, it, it obviously depends a little bit on these negotiations with um, between McCarthy and Jeffries, if, if they occur. I mean, you know, I, I think and, and the president, too. I mean, I think, you know, if there is a reasonable chance that you could see a spending a kind of a global appropriations agreement, a framework that allows for the House and Senate to actually negotiate, you know, compromise bills here, um, something that adheres to the deal that was made back during the debt limit debate. You know, I think there could be a lot of goodwill for Kevin McCarthy there. Of course, then, you know, then he sacrifices goodwill on his own side, but I think he's already sort of realized that he, there are people he's never going to convince. Um, so that's, you know, that's one wild card, but you know, if absent that, if they just continue going down this road, then you have, a, there is a commitment from the house leadership, at least at currently to do all, you know, the remaining individual appropriations bills on the floor and do them at a funding level that is $60 billion below what came out of even of the house appropriations committee, which is already below the caps. Yeah. And well below, and well below the Senate appropriations bills, which are above the caps. You know, they they call it an emergency and so forth. Yeah. But really, it's just it's money above the caps. Um, and that's you know because that's not even counting the Ukraine money and the disaster relief and all that. So um, you know that's where we are. So there's about a hundred and thirty billion dollar difference if you you know at now add the um, additional cuts that the House Republicans are trying to secure, which by the way, another 23 billion would come out of the labor HHS education bill. I mean, you know, <laughs> anathema to Democrats, it's inconceivable that they can get the that House pass. Republicans. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know if the, if I really don't know if the house can pass that. I mean, that, that's supposed to come no. up that the last, you know, the, the week of Halloween now in the house. And, um, you know, we saw the agriculture bill lose 27 Republicans and go down to defeat. I would have to think that, Labor HHS education bill doesn't have much of a snowball's chance uh, on Halloween of passing, um, you know, at at levels like that. But you know, we'll have to see. But you know, so if they continue to play out this this process, the House is doing appropriations bills on the floor all the way, practically almost up into the, until the November seventeenth deadline. And meanwhile, the Senate has done zero. They have been able to pass zero appropriations right. bills. On the floor, it's, right? It's now the new the new fiscal year has now begun. So, right. um, you know, that's the Senate process right there. Anybody can can hold anything up over there, um, unless there are the votes to you know to to steamroll that person, uh, or the, and the time to do it. And you know, the Senate has not been Senate. Maybe the Senate tries again this week and tries tries to steamroll people and, and start passing some bills. But I mean, they've got a real problem over there. The Senate historically has been, you know, not great in the last, you know, 20 years of passing spending bills. So, you know, that's where we are. 
And so absent the, a global agreement on what those compromise spending levels are going to be, we're, we're looking at another CR on November 17th that probably includes something for Ukraine, probably includes something for the border. Then it'll probably go to till sometime in December. They have this January 1st deadline, which then the caps will reset and everything will get will get cut. Uh, not for four months after that, but still January 1st is kind of a um, you know a symbolic deadline for a lot of people um, in, in wanting to get this done. So we'll just uh, we'll see what happens. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Another CR in November with border money and Ukraine money in it. Uh, mark it down and we'll see if Pete is right again. That's all the time we have for today. If you like what you hear here, you should subscribe to the CQ Budget newsletter. It hits your inbox every morning the Congress is in session. You can find that at CQ.com. You can find all of our coverage on the budget and more at CQ.com or rollcall.com. Thanks again to Peter Cohn for being here. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, David, for holding me accountable for all of my predictions. Um, I, I hope you will uh, you will forget and our listeners will forget only the ones that, uh, that are, are incorrect. All right, we'll mark it down. And thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. See you soon. <laughs>